Well, good evening and welcome, my dear listeners, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine, broadcasting across the globe. I'm your host, Karen Tate, author of the most recent books, uh, Goddess Calling, and editor of Voices of the Sacred Feminine, Conversations to Reshape Our World, Conversations We Need to Foster a New Normal. Well, you know, it's a beautiful day here at Venice Peach. Uh, The sun is setting, and if you're near the ocean, you know, you can just hear our mother breathing with each tide that rolls in and rolls out. Well, tonight's opening snippet is from Celia, and it's called Meta Prayer, and I believe it uh, coincides with tonight's topic, um, Honoring Mother Earth uh, on Earth Day and Year-Round, presented by a beloved and elder priestess in the goddess community, Selena Fox. She needs little introduction. She's been one of the forces behind Circle Sanctuary, one of the sacred places up in Wisconsin that I've uh, written about in my Sacred Places of Goddess book. Um, It was my pleasure to have her voice in the recent anthology from this show, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, uh, Conversations to Reshape the World. Uh, Her and others were instrumental in winning a battle with the government uh, to put pentacles on pagan soldiers' gravestones. And you know what? That is just uh, the tip of the iceberg of the work uh, she has accomplished in her very long career. I found out something new um today uh, she's actually uh one of the people who started Earth Day way back when in the 70s so she's going to talk about that um you know she's often the go-to person for the media when they need a spokesperson about anything pagan that's Selena Fox so we'll be with her in just a second uh, but first, uh, I wonder if you know about the two goddess conferences coming up this year. The first I'd like to mention uh, is in Nashville, Tennessee. It's July 10th, 11th, and 12th. And um, it's organized by uh, a group called Diva of, of uh, Light Network.com. And uh, just a little snippet about their program in Nashville. They say, join us for the Goddess Conference for three fabulous days to empower the Divine Feminine with you, which will be held at the Hotel Preston in Nashville. We want to help you find your inner goddess to empower you, help you find your path in life, manifest your dreams, unleash your full potential by building your confidence, become a powerful creator. Uh, All sorts of other great uh, presentations they're going to be having, including... From what I have, some uh, from what I hear, some special presentation is going to be happening at that museum in Nashville that is um, designed uh, to be a replica of the Parthenon in Greece, in Athens. And also, if you didn't know it, inside that museum, which is a replica of the Parthenon in Athens, is a huge statue statue of Athena. So I am so looking forward to uh, being a part of that conference because I have not visited that Athena in Nashville yet. So I am really excited about uh, this upcoming conference. So if uh, you're interested, um, please go to divaoflightnetwork.com. And you know, they're having a special today. They called it the Tax Day Special. Um, I think the uh, the conference is around $300 uh, or $333 for the multiple days. But today they had a special uh, for two persons 
$500. So that was a big discount, a really big discount. And you know what? Who knows? If you hear about this a day late, uh, they might even honor it. So um, so give it a try. And also, um, on the West Coast is the Goddess Spirit Rising Conference held in Simi Valley, which is about an hour north of Los Angeles. Uh, their conference is September uh, 10th uh, through 13th. And uh, I have a little bit uh, about that conference uh, to tell you, to you know, describe to you. Uh, the organizer, uh, Laura and Duffy and Anique, uh, they say uh, that they're happy to announce the return of Goddess Spirit Rising, the International Goddess Conference in Southern California. This year, the conference will be held at Brandeis University in Simi Valley. Uh, you can visit their website, GoddessSpiritRising.com, for all the glorious details including over 30 presenters, workshops, concerts, rituals, healers, vendors, and much more. You can take advantage of their early bird special through May 1st, uh, and there are many price ranges for you to choose from. Uh, You don't have to go for the entire thing. You can go just for a day. Uh, And the theme this year is Earth Mother Wisdom, the Power of Devotion. So they hope you can join them as they celebrate the many paths to the goddess. Remember, that's September 10th uh, through 13th, so mark it on your calendar. And you know what? I will be there, too, making multiple presentations. So, um, you know, if we haven't met in person yet, that uh, just may be the place. So... Uh, Now that I have shared that, let's uh, get to tonight's guest, uh, not make her wait much longer. Uh, Let's say hello to Selena Fox as we discuss honoring Mother Earth on Earth Day in the year-round. Selena, welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Well, thank you for being with us tonight uh, at this important time of the year. I I think you said uh, that um, you and some of the folks um, you know you're actually celebrating Earth Day not just one day next week, but all month. Is that is that true? Yes, we have multiple Earth Day celebrations, and actually Earth Day and environmental awareness and environmental action should be every day. But every April is an opportunity to network with others, to do personal education and public education about ways that we can work together in our personal lives and in societies that we are part of to have a healthier and sustainable planet. Right. Well, you know, Selena, I know besides being uh, a priestess for a really long time, and I know you're a writer and an environmentalist, but um, you're also uh, were among one of the organizers for the first Earth Day in 1970. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was uh, at the campus the College of William and Mary in Virginia, and the call went out by Senator Gaylord Nelson, who was a senator from Wisconsin, where I now live, um, to have Earth Day teach-ins, as he would call them, across campuses and in communities, to have people come together on April 22nd, and to take a look at environmental issues, and to formulate plans to work on environmental problems. So I was one of the main organizers of Earth Day on my campus, and one of the things that we focused on was the health of the Chesapeake Bay. 
And Williamsburg, Virginia is part of what's known as the Tidewater. And the Chesapeake Bay at that time in 1970 had a lot of problems. And I'm happy to report that not only did we get great response at our teach-in and our festivities that day, but it eventually led to action which helped bring about some positive changes for the Chesapeake Bay. We were just one of hundreds of places across the United States, and yes, it was global that first Earth Day in other parts of the world. And I've, I've been celebrating and doing environmental education work ever since on Earth Day and at other times. Well, you're the uh, executive director of Circle Sanctuary, which is a 200-acre nature preserve in southwestern Wisconsin. Um, you're also the founder of Circle Cemetery, one of the first green cemeteries uh, in the United States. I mean, obviously this is a huge subject to you, as I would imagine it should be to most pagans. Um, you know, but yet, you know, people like Margot Adler, you know, I remember when, she, you know, the, uh, the late, great, beloved Margot Marco Adler, she lamented uh, that, you know, she was so sad that there weren't more pagans on the front lines, uh, you know, fighting this fight of environmentalism, you know, especially now, you know, we have this Trans-Pacific Pipeline looming, um, all of this stuff. Do you think environmentalism has sort of fallen to the wayside, that people just um, don't care as much as they used to, or, or or maybe that's just how it seems with the corporate media? Well, a number of things um, enter the picture. Part of it has to do with how information is now being disseminated. Margot did share some of her concerns back while she was writing Drawing Down the Moon and in some subsequent editions. Um, when we first met each other in 1978, um, we found ourselves um, having very similar ways of being in the world, not only priestesses, but activists, uh, dedicated to Mother Earth, not only as a goddess, but to the Earth community as our home. What's happened in recent years with the rise of social media, with the decline of print media, there are more ways of exchanging information, and that's a good thing. But I also think many corporations who have realized it's important to adopt some green policies at times have some green window dressing, but aren't fully there yet. So I see pagans increasingly are not only doing rituals to honor connections with the planet as a whole and forces of the divine that are connected with the earth, but increasingly, pagans and people of other beliefs are getting more involved. It doesn't always make mainstream media. There are a lot of projects that are happening and endeavors that really are their own wonderful um, realities, but don't get a lot of attention. 
environmental yeah. problems do get attention, and I do think when environmental problems are, um, whether it's an oil spill somewhere or more problems with earthquakes as a result of fracking, which is unfortunately being sold as a safe and great way of energy production for America. It is not. Um, as some of those issues start being shared, it's really important that people educate themselves and not just use one source, but to use multiple sources. And when it comes down to taking action, to not only show up at protest, if that seems to be an effective way to raise voices, but to show up at polling places as an informed voter, to ask the questions of people that are running for public office, not just at national and state levels, but in particular local levels. I do think that it's important for people, regardless of philosophy, spirituality, religion, to wake up to the importance of guarding our earth, that is our home. Do you run into many pagans who, um, you know, are of the mind that, you know, maybe this whole uh, climate change thing, the global warming uh, idea, um, you know, is is a hoax and, you know, maybe they're not really taking what's going on seriously? There is a spectrum of belief and opinion within paganism just as there is within society as a whole. And I was at a climate change discussion presentation last year and encountered the first couple pagans that I had met up to that point who are climate change deniers. It wasn't that they were saying it absolutely doesn't happen, but they were skeptical of information that was being presented. Um, but most of the people there had gotten education and information from a variety of different sources. And when it comes to climate change, clearly different estimates, um, anywhere from 95, 97, 98% of the scientists are basically saying there is something going on and humans are responsible for this. So I do think that it is important to have conversations and to engage people whose viewpoints may be very different from our own so that we can hear different ways of thinking, but more importantly, find some ways that we can collaborate and work together for a better world. Now, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I had the name right. I know it's the pipeline that uh, uh, is being pushed, you know, to, that would... Uh, <clears throat> that would run, you know, sort of split the United States in two almost, run straight through the country. Um, they, you know, I, I know um, scientists have said that that would really just 
uh, sort of like be the last nail in the coffin, so to speak, uh, on climate change. Do you do you know much about that, Selena, to be able to say why it's so urgent that that doesn't happen? It is a very complicated situation. It would probably go longer than the time we have um, today to go into the nuances of it. It's not a clear-cut, this is all good or this is all bad. It's complicated because Canada wants this Keystone Pipeline to transport fuel, and part of the objections are from people who are concerned about our country just being used for a transit and not benefiting from it. So that's one issue that people are complaining about. Of course, the very real problem is that anytime you have such a long-running system, there can be environmental damage. And fuel companies have not had a great track record of cleaning up their messes. And when you have messes, uh, toxins released to the environment, can you ever truly get it cleaned up? Yeah, I mean, we look at... So, you know, Obama um, vetoed it, and it was understood that that would happen. There are some environmentalists who really see, as you mentioned, that this is, um, if this goes through in any way, shape, or form, then this is um, just going to be horrible, and there's no turning back. I wouldn't go that far. I do think we need to not only have conversations about how energy is being managed and transited, but we need to really put our attentions to clean, sustainable, alternative energy. Yeah, because what will end up happening is, you know, these oil companies uh, who, who, by the way, get corporate welfare, but it's, just, it's called subsidies, um, you know, they, they end up, you know, destroying in an environment and they pay a fine or maybe they pay some money to clean it up. But, you know, it's never enough to really fix it. You know, you can't ever return it. I mean, I'm from New Orleans. I know the destruction that BP did in the Gulf. And, um, you know, the the people there who used to make their livelihood, uh, you know, catching shrimp and, uh, you know, and, and fish and, uh, you know, all the other creatures of the of the Gulf, you know, most of them have been put out of business. You know, all the in, little environmental, uh, you know, areas where the pelicans used to live and, you know, all of the creatures on land. I mean, it's, it's really been decimated. And... Um, you know, it's it's a shame because it's not really in the news unless you look for it or you know people who live there or maybe it catches your attention like it does me because I'm from the region. And instead, you know, you get these, these wonderful commercials on TV like, oh, BP is doing so much. Um, you know, it's it's just kind of window dressing and lies, really. Um, and, and it's really a shame. You know, people can't 
you know, they they can't be duped by by this kind of stuff. You know, thinking that oh everything is is fine when you know really it's not fine because their priority is the bottom line and money, um, and it doesn't seem like they care a whole heck of a lot about the destruction to the environment. I think a bigger threat than even this pipeline is fracking and what is going on in our country with fracking, which is fracturing. It is a method of extracting natural gas that involves using a lot of water and sand, but toxic chemicals and splitting the infrastructure of the earth to release gas. There are problems with toxins in the air, toxins in the water. People are getting sick. Those who want more information about the problems with fracking should watch the documentary called Split a State. It talks about, it focuses on Colorado and and shows how landowners who work with their own property on the land, many people don't also have the mineral rights, and the private companies that have the mineral rights or that lease them on public lands are just putting up um, these um, wells all over the place and putting all manner of uh, toxins in the environment and some of the people in this industry are maintaining everything safe, but it's not. Well, and and what happened? Regulated. Is, isn't that well, true? What, happened, what happened was when George W. Bush and Dick Cheney got into office, fracking got exempted from all the environmental protection regulations. Mm-hmm. So there are big oil and gas interests that really are not taking good action to watch over the environment as a whole and certainly are not being um, concerned about individuals, their lives. So I, I think there's many issues when it comes to looking at the environment as a whole, that we can draw our attention to. But I wanted to point that out as well. I think the ultimate solution is to take society's resources, increasing amounts of our resources, and really put them in technologies that will be clean energy um, solar and wind, um, methods of of getting the energy that we need. There's no reason um, other than the fact that there's greed and um, a lot of people controlling a lot of the wealth attached to their oil and gas business. Um, there really needs to be a shift from that. Some energy companies are starting to explore alternatives, and I'm thankful for that. But unfortunately, we are not yet where we need to be to have um, a healthier 
planet and the climate change circumstances are continuing to be present on our planet. When I first spoke in England back in 1996, I was there for a nature religion conference. I took the train from England up to see relatives in Scotland and happened to be in a car with some scientists from Europe. I mean, this was nearly 20 years ago. And they said that um, for them, climate change was not whether it was happening or not. They were part of processes about trying to problem-solve around it. Well, um, there are still people today that are not looking at problem-solving, and I do think that um, those of us who care about Mother Earth, whether that's part of our spirituality or not, um, really need to do more education and networking. And sometimes it does require us taking some time out of our day-to-day life to look into environmental affairs. So I would encourage all your listeners to, at least on Earth Day, April 22nd, to take some time out that day, not only to commune with the planet and be thankful for the Earth, our home, but do some education about what are issues happening locally What are issues happening globally? And pick at least one thing that one can do in day-to-day life and one thing that one may want to do in the coming year that would go and help make a difference, even in a small way. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, Selena. And, and, you know, and part of that education, I think, is knowing what your politicians uh, are voting for in Congress. Um, You know, I wonder if the people in Oklahoma had any idea that the the folks that are running their, um, you know, their government were going to start uh, fining people who were getting their power from solar uh, and you know, in, in you know, all because you know they've been lobbied by the oil and gas people, so they're they're trying to penalize people using solar by by fining them, making them pay surcharges, you know, as a penalty for um, finding alternative means of um, you know of, of energy. So you know, I, I guess oil and gas, you know, they're they're worried. Um, that, you know, they're going to become obsolete and, you know, that's more their concern than, well, what are they going to do, you know, the the planet uh, in the process? So, you know, it's also know who you're voting for, you know, what are the, who, what sort of things are they more likely to uh, support uh, and not support because it may just, you know, hit you in your pocketbook. Well, right, and you mentioned Oklahoma, You know, in the previous 30 years, Oklahoma had very few earthquakes. And since the fracking has been going on, it's just gone up considerably. And um, all you really have to do is go to Google News and Google fracking Oklahoma earthquakes, and you will find... Uh, quite a few news stories 
from different sources, um, and uh, you'll find it in Bloomberg at the end of um, March of this year, and on the 6th of April, the CBS News carried a story about the seven earthquakes that struck the state. So this is continuing to happen. So in addition to toxins being released, which is bad enough as it is, literally the ground is complaining. <laughs> we're, we're having um, um, a lot of shaking going on. I do have an optimistic, um, I guess, dimension in all of this. I do think it is possible for humankind to wake up, work together, and get things better. What I'm hoping will happen, though, is that we will do it before we get to more of a crisis point. So, Selena, can you point to areas where groups are making progress? I mean, I know in New York, I think they've banned fracking. Um, you know, are there other success stories either around the United States or around the globe that can make people feel hopeful that they can go up against these big corporations and have some success? Yes, well, and I think one thing that we can look at are some corporations that have gone beyond the green window dressing that actually are using alternative energy um, with their buildings and that really have a goal of sustainability. I was, every year, um, in recent years, I have been part of the Nelson Institute Earth Day Conference. It's named for Senator Gaylord Nelson, who um, founded Earth Day and Circle Sanctuary, our organization and our nature preserve with cemetery has a booth there and Florence Edwards Miller, who is our um, Circle Magazine editor and one of our environmentalists connected with Circle Sanctuary, um, staffs the booth. I'm there part of the time and I'm also there doing networking. And one of the things that I do each year is to attend some of the business workshops to learn about what's being done in corporate America to green life. And I'm happy to report that there are some businesses that are doing this. So I'm happy to report that. In terms of people taking action in their own hands, there are many examples of people working to clean up waterways, um, to get urban environments to clean up toxic dumps. There are people who have prevented um, projects from coming that would degrade the environment. So there are some success stories. I do think it's important when one starts doing this personal and organizational education about the environment, that one needs to balance getting educated with being able to come up with something specific to do. There are so many areas that need help 
that one can get pretty depressed and overwhelmed by the vastness of what needs to be done. So pick one or two things that will be your focal point. It may be some change in personal lifestyle. That It may be a simple thing such as making sure you turn the lights off in every room when you're done in the room and not to let water run and run and run. You might say, well, what does that really do? Well, part of it is developing a consciousness. And yes, in a small way, you are conserving resources. I do think in addition to having changes in our day-to-day habits, that one really does need to stay informed and to get involved with others in making a difference. There was a huge march in New York City and some other parts of the world um, earlier, um, and people marched in solidarity to bring about a healthier planet. And and yes, pagans were amongst those marching. It was just really wonderful. People connected with us and friends of ours. And I do think taking part in some large demonstrations can be a powerful way of sending a message that does get covered. But in addition to that, we need to also get involved whether it's with an organization or a project, something that has very sustainable and attainable goals, um, and uh, to volunteer, to write letters, to share information. So there's a variety of different things that one can do. I, I pretty much encourage pagans that I know who are environmentalists and have environmental activists is a very important part of their life to make sure to balance the eco-activism with some time communing with the earth in a sacred way. And that um, across many cultures, the sacred earth has been depicted as a form of the divine feminine. I think it is really helpful to spend time connecting with that concept, with that force, if one's belief system has an understanding of divinity and deity, to not only pay respects and to commune, but to listen. So when I'm involved in some environmental action, Um, I make sure that I have time where I do meditation in a natural place. I attune to the local environment and then also endeavor to put myself in touch with that larger consciousness on the planet that some would call the Earth Goddess or Mother Earth. And, um, And from that framework, get guidance and understanding to inform how I'm going to go about working for the politics, um, the social action, um, the other dimensions of what needs to be accomplished. 
I, I, I'm sure you probably know about that um, uh, fellow Emoto in his experiments with water, uh, where you could uh, do positive things, you know, say positive things over water, and the the water molecules uh, created these beautiful crystals. And uh, and and if you said, you know, negative, horrible things, well, you know, the crystals didn't look so beautiful. It sort of looked uh, almost deformed. Um, I, you know, I think as a result of that, a lot of pagans have been doing a lot of water work uh, for clean water to, you know, help the you know the the fish or or the creatures that live in the water as well as uh you know to you know help the health uh of of the waterways um i i know the people at the Kabbalah center in los angeles were even talking about uh their praying over the waters near chernobyl and uh those waters were even supposed to have uh you know been changing their molecular structure uh as well so you know it it uh you know just just one more idea perhaps you know i if, think we uh, need to yeah i think we need to take a multifaceted approach for planetary healing and so much of it does depend on where one is coming from in terms of belief system i'm familiar with um, the work regarding water and blessing water that you mentioned. I've had some clients who um, have had some direct contact, and I've seen um, some DVDs and things. Actually, um, that whole idea is um, part of that larger and older concept of why across different faith traditions and cultures they're blessings of food. Mm. It's having um, intention, giving thanks, and um, putting forth uh, positive thoughts to what we're going to be consuming. So I think working on a spiritual level is important, psychological, social, energetic. Um, I There's many different approaches, and I think a holistic approach to connecting with Mother Earth is um, a wonderful thing to do. You know, people from many parts of the world have known Mother Earth or known what you might call the consciousness of the planet or of the land where people have dwelled uh, in a variety of different ways. Uh, Many people will um, use today replicas of what some call the Venus of Willendorf, or some call the Willendorf goddess, as a representation of Mother Earth. And that particular form of the sacred feminine was estimated to have been carved 24,000 years BCE. It's The original is only about four inches tall and was found in a cave in Austria. A number of these ancient images that go way back in time are coming to light now. People are reproducing them. They're using them in art. They are recreating them in sculptures. And people are using them on their altars as a tool for connecting with the consciousness of the planet. I think that's a wonderful thing. 
Absolutely. Well, and then uh, you, besides uh, the Venus of Willendorf, and of course we all know Gaia, uh, there's also Pachimama as well. Yes, and one of the things um, about that particular form of the divine is um, very, very ancient. We go to the area of the world known as the Andes, and in the Incan religion, she presided over planting and harvesting. She also causes earthquakes. I mean, that's one of her uh, her other forms. And as that part of the world got Christianized, um, she um, has had some Marian features kind of woven into the mix, but a very, very ancient goddess connected um, with the land. Um, for the ancient Romans, um, Tellus or Terra, in fact, you've heard Terra Firma, you know, the firm earth, um, terrestrial. It comes from the ancient Roman pagan uh, goddess name for the earth. Uh, Gaia um, is rooted in ancient Greece, and, uh, you know, she, you know, in some, some cultures, uh, Egypt, for example, um, the earth was male, a god, and the sky, female. And, of course, Egyptian religion and culture went over millennium. But um, you'll find some differences. But you'll find quite a number of people will be working with the earth itself as some type of um, goddess form. And I think part of that has to do with reproduction and, you know, observing um, women giving birth. And whether we work with the earth as earth goddess or earth god or earth spirit, I do think it can be a helpful thing as part of spiritual practice to not only have an awareness of that dimension of the divine, but to also think about ourselves being part of an ancestral current that once was more in touch with it. And to um, take time expressing appreciation for being part of that large web of life here on the planet and to do some reflections about what one can do to be in better relation. I have um, an area in my home where I have a number of different um, goddess forms, and and today I went, and every time when Earth Day comes up, I take a selection of some of my goddess images of depictions of how the Earth um, has been portrayed in art and sculpture and painting. And on my main Facebook page, Selena Fox Updates, I actually put some of the images, a multicultural approach to connecting with Mother Earth. The name that I use the most is Mother Earth because it's become um, very widespread, not only in the English-speaking world, but others have have adopted that as a way of relating to the planet as a whole. Not only those doing environmental work per se, but those who are involved in some form of nature religion. Okay. 
Well, and uh, you know, I'm I'm thinking too, Selena, for listeners who maybe uh, maybe they don't have pagan groups in their area. Uh, they certainly probably have something like a Sierra Club or an Audubon Society or Friends of the Wilderness. You know, they could probably connect with the earth. Uh, you know, by going on nature hikes or oh, um, absolutely. You know, wildflower walks or you know, an assortment of things that. Uh, uh, and, and also you can turn to those groups when it's time to go to the voting booth because they'll always put their recommendations for, you know, who's the best candidate to support environmental concerns. If you that, don't know for sure, right. you know, if, if you haven't had a chance to, you know, do your homework, you know, they'll they'll know who to vote for and who not to vote for. Yeah, and I do think it's increasingly important to inform ourselves about who's running for various various offices, especially at the local level, and if you feel called to get involved yourself, I think with the rise of um, social media and so many people now having mobile devices and being able to access the internet in many ways, even if one doesn't have a group really close by. One can connect with people online. That's a really important thing. But I think in addition to that, we need to balance our time online with what I might call an old-school approach to nature communion, which is to go unplugged from time to time, go Mm -hmm. to a natural environment, and... You don't have to be ritualistic or even religious about it per se, but to spend some time in a non-human-centric environment to connect with nature in a sacred way. To me, that's um, not only healthy for ourselves as individual humans, but it is a way of keeping us in touch with that larger community of life of which we're part, and that it's so important for us to help sustain. Yeah, I mean, you can go hug a tree, go lay down in green grass, go sit by the side of a of a lake and listen to the ebb and flow of the water. I mean, there's so many, so many, so many, so many things to do to just unplug and uh, you know, just sort of feel that uh, that interconnection, you know, of of yourself with, uh, you know, with Mother Earth. You know, rekindle, rekindle that connection because you know we lose we lose it when we're sitting at the computer all day, when we're surrounded by concrete, when, uh, you know, while we're you know we're we're watching TV uh, too much. Um, you know, like you said, unplug, get out there. You know, yeah, balance, you know, trying to have the balance. And and I, it is really important for us to um, live sustainably as much as we can. But after we die, 
What do we want to have happen with our body? So you mentioned earlier that I founded Circle Cemetery. Circle Cemetery is one of the first green cemeteries in the U.S. It also happens to be a national pagan cemetery, but one doesn't have to be a member of Circle Sanctuary or even pagan to actually have a green burial at Circle Cemetery. We're located in Wisconsin, uh, not too far from Madison, Wisconsin. And why a green cemetery? Well, you think about it, um, you take a really old burial practice, non-embalming of the body, biodegradable container, return it to the earth, or cremation, because some people prefer that, it takes up less space, and you combine it with intentional conservation of green space. So we're taking some old ways that human uh, humans have um, dealt with the remains of dead loved ones, returning them to the earth, but intentionally protecting green space and conserving green space. We have a 200-acre nature preserve, and 20 acres of that has been platted and zoned for cemetery use. As, and people have the option of having a full-body natural burial or to have cremains interred, or we have a restored prairie. Some have chosen to have cremains scattered in a restored prairie. Um, I'm hoping that there will be more opportunities for people to um, support green cemeteries in different parts of the U.S. and other parts of the world. Europe has several hundred green cemeteries, but America right now only has a few dozen. Hmm. And if, are there pictures of it uh, on the Circle Sanctuary website, yes, if, Polina? Yeah, if you go to www.circlesanctuary.org, and you'll see our navigation bar and select land and under the nature preserve, you go to that section and you'll see not only information about the nature conservation work that we do, but you will see information about the cemetery, photos at our cemetery. Um, our cemetery permits um, stone markers, granite markers, to um, that will last and help mark the place. Some green cemeteries don't have markers at all, but for us, um, paying attention and remembering ancestors is really important. You mentioned Margot Adler at the start of the show, my spiritual sister, longtime friend. Well, we have a stone honoring Margot up in our cemetery, which we put up there and dedicated at Sawan. Tomorrow, April 16th, is her birthday. So we will be um, doing some meditation and uh, remembrance of her now that she's uh, crossed over. And I am so thankful for all the work that she has done environmentally and um, all of her other social justice work, as well as her contributions to paganism. Absolutely. Well, happy birthday. Uh, happy birthday, Margot Adler. You are remembered. You are never, never forgotten. 
Well, Selena, um, I want to thank you so much uh, for everything you've uh, shared with us tonight, all of your wise words of wisdom. Um, I certainly hope at some point you are going to write your biography and document all the incredible work you've managed to do over the decades. Please, please say you are. Well, I've been working on it, but I have lots of things that seem to take attention <laughs> and intention. Um, you can get, I guess, some glimpses of what I've been up to um, via social media. Yes, I'm on Instagram now, so if you want to celebrate Earth Day that way <laughs> and connect um, with me on social media, I'm on Twitter and Facebook and um, and Circle Sanctuary. <laughs> well, I have fairly slow. Um, internet connection because I live in a forest, and so while I'm getting one page to load on my main computer, I have mobile devices that also work and that are faster, so that's generally when I'm doing my Instagramming, <laughs> when I'm uh, waiting for documents to load, and, and uh, I'm... You're like a collie with multiple hands, multitasking. Well, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I do a nature magic podcast also on Blog Talk Radio, and so that would be another way to connect. And um, I'm just very thankful for your show and and for you and all your good work and um, for you having me on. And I wish everyone a happy Earth Day, and may Earth Day be every day, and may we be in good relation with Mother Earth now and in the times to come. Absolutely. May we all find a way to have a smaller footprint. Thank you, Selena. Thank you so much for tonight and for all the work you do in the world. You are truly an inspiration. And may you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much. And feel better. Thank you for being with us tonight. I know you were a little under the weather, but you could barely tell. So thank hey. you. Well, <laughs> thank night. you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that show and uh, the inspirational words of uh, uh, our elder priestess, uh, Selena Fox, and maybe uh, we've given you some ideas or maybe a gentle nudge uh, to get out there and, um, you know, help change the world. It uh, It's going to take all of us. So, uh, the show is not over yet, though. Uh, we have some other things. And uh, why don't we uh, take a listen to this, because you know what? It kind of uh, uh, ties into what Selena was talking about, about our learning to, to uh, connect uh, with nature. Most people see humankind as really separate from nature and separate from the earth. I'm as much of this earth as a rock or a tree. I mean, I came out of it. This is my mother planet. I grew out of this earth. As long as we conceive of divinity as above us or outside of us, or that our bodies are somehow less divine than spirit, there's no way that we can change our course.
Well, that was Serena Roney Dougal, Ph.D., speaking in Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia. Uh, Dancing with Gaia explores the connection between Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and goddess as Gaia. It features 15 visionaries who give us tools to feel the life of the planet within ourselves. The DVD comes with a 45-page mini-book, and you know what? It's only 20 bucks. Uh, you can get your own copy at DancingWithGaia.com. You know, um, I think maybe some people hear you say, you know, connecting with nature, and, uh, you know, it, maybe it makes them feel empty. Maybe it makes them feel lost. Uh, makes Maybe it makes them feel confused. Um, you know, we can't overthink that. Uh, I think if you just, um, you know, just go out in nature and you're quiet and you open yourself up uh, to feeling the energy, um, you know, I, I think I, I think you get it. And, of course, some places are more potent than others. Uh, there's an awful lot you can read about all of that, uh, ley lines, vortexes. Um, you know, to be honest, I'm not one of these people who can necessarily feel those things, like ley lines and vortexes, but I certainly have felt the energy of sacred places. Uh, I know what it's like to be out uh, in the middle of a, a, a natural place and just feel that in, incredible energy. You know, it's hard to language it. It really is. Uh, it really is difficult to language it. But I remember uh, probably one of the most potent examples um, that I will remember for the rest of my life. I documented in. Uh, one of my articles in the book uh, Goddess Calling, uh, when I wrote about uh, I could hear her breathing about the time I was up near Lake Michigan, and uh, I I literally felt I heard the earth breathing, and I am not talking about the ebb and flow of of water on the lake either. Um, you can probably find that uh, that article. Um, Posted on some blogs and things. Uh, if you're interested in reading it, uh, if if uh, you don't have have my book, uh, Goddess Calling. But anyway, uh, check out Dancing with Gaia. I don't think you'll disappoint. Be disappointed. It, it is a great book. And um, also, too, I want to remind you if you're in the Southern California area and uh, specifically near uh, Orange County, you really should go visit the beautiful Goddess Temple of Orange County. It's open to the public Friday and Saturday afternoons for meditation and viewing the beautiful museum exhibits uh, of Goddess from the Paleolithic to the present. Uh, Goddess spiritual celebration services are every Sunday, rain or shine, from 11 to 1230. Fourth Sunday is for all genders. Uh, all other Sundays are for adult women. Every Friday from 5 to 7, you can enjoy the Temple's Venus Hour, Orange County's Best Happy Hour with libations, snacks, music, uh, movies, and you can meet new like-minded people. And you know what? It's all free. Uh, so for more information, visit uh, goddesstempleoc.org. And you know, and I, I made the point for becoming a member there on a few previous shows, and uh, I'd like to say that again. You know, we become members of um, organizations we respect, uh, organizations we want to thrive, uh, organizations that we think are doing good work out there in the world. And you know what? You can become uh, a proud member of the Goddess Temple of Orange County for only $25 a month. 
And if you don't have $25 a month right now, because uh, maybe you've fallen on hard times, you know what? You can become a member for the first six months for only a dollar a month. You know, set that intention that um, you know you want to you know you you want to support the things in the world that uh, are trying to make the world a better place. Because remember, uh, what we support, uh, it thrives, and what we neglect, well, you know, it withers. And we can only blame ourselves, I think, sometimes if. Uh, you know, we aren't accountable if we aren't responsible and, and we let things fall to the wayside uh, and wither and die. Um, and then maybe uh, it's too late, you know, and we wonder why we didn't do something sooner to, uh, you know, help something uh, stay in existence. Yeah, so um, let's see. What else do I want to share with you tonight? Um I do want to share something else with you. Here it comes. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, does this sound familiar? My quote here. Most of us have come to realize patriarchy, ruled by a male-dominated society, revering solely a male god, is not working for Mother Earth or most of the people on the planet. How do we counter beliefs that there is no option but the authoritarian father? How does society go about making a course correction? How do ideas that permeate every level of society from womb to tomb, boardroom to bedroom, voting booth to the workplace, shift into a more fair, equal, and just world of partnership, sharing, caring, and peace? Well, that was an excerpt uh, from... Uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine, the anthology that I've mentioned now and again here on the show, uh, which is uh, based on this radio show. And uh, I wanted to share with you a great uh, review uh, of the book by Harita Mini. She's a scholar of classical and women's studies. She's also an author. Uh, And... um, Here's just a short review. It's not very long. I I just wanted you to hear what someone of her stature um, has said about uh, the anthology. She says, um, how often do you come across a woman's spirituality anthology that includes an interview with a world-famous thinker like Noam Chomsky? Yet Chomsky is not the only important contributor. Karen Tate has achieved to bring together all sorts of powerful voices that discuss religion, politics, activism, and the sacred feminine. She weaves a rich tapestry of interviews and essays based on her weekly internet radio show that bears the same title as her book. With the logo of a woman reaching out for an apple, a metaphor for Eve reaching for the tree of knowledge, Her weekly radio show challenges listeners to fear not and taste the forbidden fruit, to rethink, reclaim, and embrace the age-old knowledge that's been denied us for too long. She quotes me here when I say, I wanted my listeners to understand what denying the feminine face of God, whether the great she be deity, archetype, or ideal, has cost humanity, particularly women. I wanted them to know how the world might change if these ideals were once again a part of our culture and psyches. She goes on to say, Reverend Dr. Tate is no newcomer to Sacred Feminine. She has written three more books exploring its diverse dimensions, 
Sage Woman named her one of the top 13 most influential women in goddess spirituality and a wisdom keeper of the goddess spirituality movement. In the beginning of the book, Karen describes her own journey of self-discovery. Then she offers us a true banquet of perspectives and ideas and the words of the show's guests. You'll certainly recognize some of their names. Selena Fox, who was on tonight. Joan Norton, Charlene Spretnak, Ava, Barbara G. Walker, Tim Ward, Rianne Eisler, Jean Shinoda Bolin, Starhawk, Lydia Rule, Lane Redman, and many others. These thinkers challenge us to reflect deeply upon the world and ourselves. They bring to surface hidden truths ranging all the way from myth and ritual to American politics, economy, and businesses. I recommend reading each piece separately, then devoting some time to its consideration. This isn't a book you'll read overnight, but a treasure trove you'll come back to time and time again. It's almost 400 pages and contains many gems of wisdom. So thank you, Harita. That was very, very kind of you. And you know what? It's really accurate, if I don't say so myself, because it's of the the wonderful people who contributed to the uh, anthology are the wonderful people who contribute their wisdom to this show. They are one and the same. And I thank them. I thank them. I thank them. Well, uh, next week's show will be on Tuesday, um, and my guest is Adam uh, Gainsberg, uh, and we are going to be discussing the 13 phases of Venus, Faces of the Inner Feminine. We'll chat about the Venus phase, how astrology sees the feminine principle, the difference between femininity today and in the past, other interesting stuff like the mythological origins of the Venus cycle and the difference between the feminine self, feminine shadow, feminine dharma, and feminine principle. All of those things uh, I will be chatting uh, with Adam about next Tuesday. And um, as always, here's my little PBS spiel. If you liked uh, what you've been hearing tonight and in past shows, I hope you'll show your appreciation and support. In fact, I am throwing a challenge out there. All of my listeners, by Mother's Day, let's see how many of you can send in $5, just $5, to support the show to help me pay for airtime. All you have to do is go to my website, karentate.com. Once you're there, go to my Goddess Store page. Scroll down all the way to the very bottom. There is a PayPal button down there that will allow you to donate any amount. Uh, You can also um, uh, make recurring donations that will automatically uh, come in to me every month, and I hope that you will. But let's just do this $5 thing first. Of the hundreds and thousands of you out there who listen to the show, please, has it not been worth $5 to you? Send in minimum donation of $5. Let's see what we can make happen. Because you know what? A little bit from a lot of people. I won't have to worry about paying for the show maybe for the next six months. Wouldn't that be grand? So thank you very much. Uh, I I really do appreciate that consideration. And um, while you're there at the Goddess Store page, hey, take a look at my books. Uh, I got some good deals there. Uh, I'd be happy to sign a book to you. 
and uh, and and send it off. Um, so that is my wish and prayer. I put that out in the universe. May it manifest. May it manifest. May it manifest. And uh, you know what? Please check out my Facebook pages. I have a new Karen Tate page uh, on Facebook. Now, I have my personal page there, but it's nearing the the 5,000 mark, and uh, soon we'll be able to take no more. So I'm slowly transitioning over to a Karen Tate author page. So please, go, uh, go see me. Go see me on Facebook. Like me. Tell your friends to like me. Um, also, you want to hit the follow button on um, my show page here on Blog Talk so that you get notices of the shows coming on each week and you don't miss anything. And uh, that also uh, helps you become one of the voices of the Sacred Feminine family. All right. Well, I do believe that uh, that will be it uh, for tonight. I want to thank you for tuning in. I know you're busy, and uh, I just want you to know you mean a lot to me. You are gas in my tank. So please, uh, let me hear from you uh, with show ideas, and uh, you can send those to me via Facebook, via email, uh, any way you like. Uh, Someone recently asked me to have a guest on uh, about the zeitgeist movement and um, I will uh, be looking into that. I'm looking for someone who might uh, be a good representative of that uh, of that movement who can speak to the uh, you know speak to the nature of the movement in uh, an accurate accurate way. So uh, I think I will close tonight's show with another cut by Celia, uh, and because we have time, we'll uh, play the full version, and it's called Connected, because you know what? That's what we are all working toward, isn't it? Uh, that we learn to be interconnected. So thank you, Celia, for allowing me to use your, uh, your music on the show, uh, your gift to me and my listeners. So again, here is uh, something from Celia, and this snippet is Connected. Uh, come back to me next Tuesday. Have a great weekend and a great Earth Day. Good night.